Good morning and welcome to Christ Community Church. Thank you so much for joining us today. I encourage you guys to sing along, praise and worship with us. clouds kings and kingdoms will bow down and every chain will break his broken hearts declare his praise for who can stop the lord almighty our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power and fighting our battles every knee will bow before him our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world his blood breaks the chains every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him open up the gates make way before the king of kings the god who comes to save is here to set the captives free for who can stop the lord almighty and our god is the lion the lion of judah he's roaring with power Fighting our battles, every knee will bow before him. And our God is the Lamb, the Lamb that was slain for the sins of the world. His blood breaks the chains, every knee will bow before the Lion and the Lamb. Every knee will bow before him. stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can stop the Lord? And our God is the Lion, the Lion of Judah. He's roaring with power and fighting our battles every knee will bow before him and our god is the lamb the lamb that was slain for the sins of the world his blood breaks the chains every knee will bow before the lion and the lamb every knee will bow before him Oh, 
morning, C3 family. This is your call to worship for today. I'm reading 2 Samuel 22, 1 through 7. David sang this song to the Lord on the day the Lord rescued him from all his enemies and from Saul. He sang, The Lord is my rock, my fortress, and my savior. My God is my rock, in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me, and my place of safety. He is my refuge, my savior, the one who saves me from violence. I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. The waves of death overwhelmed me. Floods of destruction swept over me. The grave wrapped its ropes around me. Death laid a trap in my path. But in my distress, I called out to the Lord. Yes, I cried to my God for help. He heard me from his sanctuary. My cry reached his ears. This is God's word for us today. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord, that you are the God that hears us. Help us to remember that you are our Savior, our fortress, and our strength. Oh, Lord, let this worship today honor you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the blue's still in the water, and the blue's still in the sky. And way beyond the blue, there's someone watching from on high. My clothes may be ragged, and my shoes may be worn, but I've been a wealthy boy since I've been born. Because I call him when I'm troubled, and I call him when I'm weak. And he always pulls me through my troubles some way and I believe he'll be there. He'll be there. He'll be there. He'll be there. Like he always is to answer when I call him. My mother used to tell me I should take it slow. The pace is not what matters, it's the direction that you go. Keep your feet upon the path and your eyes upon the goal. You'll have all the joy your heart could ever hold. Cause I call him when I'm troubled and I call him when I'm weak. And he always pulls me through my troubles some way and I believe he'll be there. He'll be, there. He'll be there Like he always is to answer when I call him Cause I call him when I'm troubled And I call him when I'm weak And he always pulls me through my troubles Somewhere and I believe he'll be there He'll be there, he'll be there. He'll be there. Like he always is to answer when I call him like he always is to answer when I call him.
Ah. Good morning. Good morning, C3 family. Welcome for, uh, to our service and Bible study time. Guys, thank you for the worship. Yep. Uh, we are obviously Always. in a different uh, location we today. Are. We are. But hopefully the Lord will speak even uh, where we are today from where we are. Um, anyway, thank you all for being with us. And it's our prayer that God's going to speak to us and give us a word from him. You know that often when when we're teaching, um, we'll address some topic that we, we, our goal is to get you to do something, to pray more, read your Bible more, uh, help the poor more, forgive more. But sometimes, um, I think it's important that we just be challenged in our understanding of what the scriptures are talking about, what the scriptures are emphasizing, right. major ideas and themes that are running through the Bible that God just wants us to to, to be aware of, to learn about, and then hopefully as they get inside us in our hearts and minds, um, they'll, they'll, they'll affect us. They'll change us. They'll make us more like Jesus. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm sort of going today. I don't know about y'all, but there have been times in my life where, um, I've gotten myself into situations, whether it's my fault or someone else's fault or nobody's fault, but, where I, I wind up really asking myself the question, how did I get here? Yeah. How did um, this happen? How did this happen? Um, why is, why is this happening? Yeah. Um, how did I wind up here? Uh, wh- what a mess I have made. How did I get into this mess? Um, what a waste. That's really the word that I'm thinking of today is just what a waste. I don't feel like things are productive moving forward, working the way they were designed to work. And I just sort of feel like, not all the time, but it, in seasons where, you know, what a mess. What I feel like there's chaos or a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning um, in, in my personal situation. And, uh, you know, I, hopefully uh, you can identify with that on some level uh, at different seasons in your life as well. Hmm. Um, but I, I wanted us to, to think about that and, and maybe God has a word for us when we do get into those seasons. Shirley, if you would, I want you to read Genesis chapter one. I will. The first two verses, very first two verses of the Bible. Pretty familiar, I think. Yeah. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the deep waters. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Okay. First two verses. Yeah, very first two verses. And notice the contrast there of the waters. The waters, what does it say? The the darkness covered the deep waters, and then the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And that's really what we're going to talk about today is is what Moses is trying to say to yeah. us. Uh, I, I, I sort of worked up my own crea- uh, translation of those two verses, and I think they're pretty accurate to what Moses is trying to convey. So uh, let me read them to you. Uh, Genesis 1, 1 and 2. In the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth, or really better, the skies and the land. It's not talking about outer space and the the globe what that we call the earth. Yeah. It's talking it's talking about that in the beginning when God started the creation process, 
He starts with what is there. And it's the lands and the skies. Because he's going to create the stars and the moon. Another day. And the sun, another day. Yeah. It hasn't been created yet. Yeah. So he started in the beginning of God's creating the heavens and the earth and the skies and the land. The land was formless and empty. Or better yet, wild or untamed and wasted. Not fulfilling the purpose for which it was created, yeah. if you will. And darkness was over the surface of the dark, deep, abysmal waters. The word for there's a a Hebrew word for that, and that's the tahom. Um, That word means nothingness, meaninglessness, confusion, disorder, chaos, if you will. The the darkness was over the surface of the dark, deep, abysmal waters, the tahom. And God's spirit or God's ruach was hovering over the waters. Yeah, and there's and there's two different Hebrew words that Moses uses for waters there. One is the tahom, these dark, deep, chaotic, abysmal waters, versus the waters that the waters change from that to waters that are gonna literally uh, water the Garden of Eden Produce. And, then, and then flow out of the garden uh, and and water the earth, yeah. right? Yeah. So you've got this contrast of the darkness hovering over the Tahome waters, the chaotic waters, and then the Spirit of God comes and He hovers over the waters and they become life-giving, purpose, uh, purposeful waters. Um, I think that's very meaningful and significant, at least for me, to realize that God's Spirit comes where there is chaos, where there is darkness, where there is a lack of meaning, a lack of purpose. And He transforms that into that which gives life, has meaning, and has purpose. Yeah. Um, another thing that Moses wants us to see here uh, is He's He's addressing the creation story of the nations around Israel. Uh, every nation, every culture has a creation story. It's an origin story. An origin story. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and in that day, in Moses' day, the nations around Israel, Egypt to the south, Babylon to the northeast, Assyria and Syria to the north, and then the, all the nations, all the ites, if you will, yeah. around Israel. They all had creation stories or origin stories, and they all were similar in that every one of them starts with not the word to home, but a word that meant the same thing. They start with these dark, deep, abysmal, chaotic waters. And literally, each one of them declares that their gods came up out of these waters and then it ultimately led to the gods that came up out of these waters, the waters being sort of the mother of the gods. Right. And then the, and then these gods rebel against the waters, and there's this cosmic battle that takes place, and the gods overthrow the waters and start their culture's that development. Yeah. yeah. Well, Moses is not taking a jab at it, but he's, showing, he's contrasting. Sure. Um, the origin stories of all these nations around Israel with the origin story, the creation story that the Bible would declare, that the Israelites would believe. And that would be that Moses wants us to see that Yahweh doesn't come up out of the waters. 
He, he is above the waters. And not only is he above the waters, uh, he is before the waters. In the beginning, God. Not yes. in the beginning, the waters, yes. but in the beginning, God. Yeah. And that he has authority over the waters. He tells the waters what to do. He commands the waters. And he's moving the waters from a, a place of chaos and a lack of purpose, a lack of meaning to that which gives life and has purpose and has meanings. Um, yeah, I think Moses really wants us to see that contrast. Mm-hmm. And that sort of led me to the, to, to be thinking about how different Hebrew thought, Hebrew mindset is from even our way of thinking, our way of seeing things, the Western uh, thought sure, process. Sure. And let me just give you a, a couple of quick examples. The contrast uh, between um, our existence after we die. For a Hebrew person, after they die, their existence after death is profoundly influenced by how they are thought of by people that are still alive. Um, how they're remembered. Uh, how they're remembered. If they're remembered well, that affects their existence after death. If they're remembered poorly, it affects their mm-hmm. existence. If they're remembered, if they're not remembered, they're forgotten. That affects their existence after death. In Western thought, we would not see it that way. We would not see that the way you and I think about your father, by example, that that think about him the way we think about him today has any effect upon his existence right. now that he's in heaven. Right. Just to, and my only point there is just to show the contrast. The, the contrast in Western thought and Hebrew thought between individualism versus communal priority. In Western thought, we are very individualistic. Yep. Yep. Uh, what, what is right for me? What's important for me? What's best for me? It's, it's very me and individuals focused. It is. Versus Hebrew thought would be incredibly communal. What is best for the community? What's best for the group? That takes much greater precedent than what's just good for me. Right. What's good for us is more important than what's good for me. Right. Just a difference in contrast. Yeah, yeah. Well, another example of that a contrast would be that in Western thought, you're talking about the difference with creation. In Western thought, when we think of creating something, we think of taking that which is non-existent and making something that does exist. Taking nothing and turning it into something. That that's creation. That's creation. That is not the way Hebrew people would have seen creation. That's not the way they would have used the word to create. In the beginning, God created. For a Hebrew to create is to take that which has no meaning and give it meaning. That which has no purpose and give it purpose, that which is in chaos, and to place it in order, uh, to take that which has no order, no meaning, that is wasted, that's not fulfilling a purpose, and transform it into that which has order and meaning and purpose. And we see that in the very six days of creation. Every day, God says the same thing. The sun set, the sun rose, 
God does something. There's order. There's a plan. The sun's setting and the sun's rising and God is doing things and he's creating things that fulfill purposes. The plants, the stars, right. Right. And ultimately human beings. Meaning and all of it. There's meaning and purpose and order. You know. And for Hebrews, that's what creation really emphasizes. In the to home, the idea of to home uh, or the chaotic waters, that really reflects all that is opposed to life, to order, to having purpose, to being productive, God's plans for the world. And it's important that we see the contrast there between the to home waters and the waters that God is now over and controlling. Moses is talking about the same waters. They're waters. I think if somebody was just observing, they would say the waters are still the waters. But the difference is where God's ruach, where God's spirit is hovering, is active, is focused, is involved, it changes it. It's the creation is that it now has purpose. It now has meaning. It now has order. Without God... The waters are to home. They're death. They're chaos. There's no order or purpose or meaning. They're not productive. Versus where God is, there's life. There's purpose. There's meaning. There's productivity. Um, where God is, chaos becomes the backdrop or the canvas, if you will, of where God is is creating masterpieces. Mm. Uh, it, he's taking chaos and he's turning it into that which produces life and importance and significance. That is good news. Yeah, it is incredibly is good, good news. news if we just think about it. It's also very important to Moses that we see the tool, the primary tool that God uses for this transformation, this creation. He speaks. It's his word. What does God, there's no cosmic battle. There's no uh, fight between good and evil. It's not like it. What God just simply speaks. And the Tahom changes to waters that are life-giving and that have meaning. Um, it's very important that we notice that. Um, also, I think it's very important uh, because Moses continues to write the rest of the first five books of the Bible. He does. Um, that we see that God starts with chaos and he turns it into that which has meaning and purpose. Man comes on the scene and the very first significant thing that man, yes, he helps with the naming of the animals and this, but the very first thing man does is he sticks his nose and gets his fingers involved in what God has turned from chaos yeah. into meaning and purpose and turns it back into chaos. And that cycle runs through the rest of Moses' letters, writer, uh, uh, chapters and books, if yeah. you will. It runs through the rest of the Bible. It runs through human history. God is taking that which is full of chaos abysmalness, <laughs> a darkness, meaninglessness, and he's transforming it into that which has meaning and life and productivity and purpose. And then man is 
taking that which God has created, that which is good. God, what is it? God created, and He said, and that is good. And that is good. God, man is taking that which God did, which is good, and turning it back into chaos. And this this theme, this idea of the tahom, if you will. Um, well, I tell you, before I even get into that, did you, something you were... Well, I was just, you, you know, the, the, if you, in literature, of course, that so often reflects, does reflect the human experience, uh, what we want, what we look for is a hero. And there's such a thing in literature as the hero cycle, which is kind of what you're talking about a little bit, where the hero starts on his journey and then he encounters challenges yes. and temptations. And then it's, it's a circle, right? And so he starts, he goes through challenges. At the bottom of the circle, there's chaos, yes. ab- abyss. Yes. And so that's where everything is falling apart. And right. he will either die there, yes, which would make him a tragic hero, yes, which is a thing, or <laughs> he is reborn there. That's in the, the cycle. And if he's reborn, then there's transformation from the chaos and eventually, the last part, you can look it up, the last part of the hero cycle in literature is atonement. Then he comes back. And so when you have a hero, what uh, Achilles, or that's not a good one, you know, but some hero in literature, right. what we want from him, what we expect is for him to go through that and come, that abyss, and come back out. And when he transformed, yes. healed, reborn, yes. and if yes. he can't do it, and he dies, then that's what we call a tragic hero. Yes. He's not able to do that. And aren't those heroes that go through this journey of of chaos and come out victorious? Aren't those just small reflections of the greater story of God yes, yes, taking yes. chaos and turning into that which has meaning and purpose in life. I mean, aren't they just little glimmers of the bigger, grander story yes. of what God is doing in our world? Well, in my lives? opinion, I think all literature yes. is, but yes. Okay. I want us to just be challenged to consider that this idea of the tahom, of chaos, of that which lacks purpose and meaning and order, this this being in opposition to what God is doing, it this conflict, if you will, between the tahom and the waters that God is creating that have purpose and meaning in life, that conflict runs through the Bible. Not only does it run through literature, it runs through the Bible. Um, the very word is used, uh, to home is used over and over again. The, the Bible describes the floodwaters of Noah as the to home. The to home broke open yeah. and the floodwaters, the to home spilled forth. And you see these floodwaters, they're not producing life. No. They're destroying. Right. And there's, and there's no boundaries. They're, they're crashing over all that God created um, and producing death. You see it with Moses and the Red Sea. Um, hmm. The Bible literally calls those waters of the Red Sea the Tahom. And you see the Tahom waters blocking God's purpose for his people. They can't get across to accomplish his purposes. And then when they do, through the miraculous work of God, then those Tahom waters again spill over out of control, if you will, and destroy people. They take life. They don't give life. Joshua and the Jordan River. The Jordan River is what? 
It's outside, it's outside its, its banks. It's at flood stage. It's uncontrollable. And it's blocking, again, God's purposes and plans. And God has to intervene and take that which is blocking his plans, blocking his people, not in order, not within boundaries, and he places it back in control. Yeah. Right? This declaration, and you see it over and over again. Jonah, the waters are called the waters of the Mediterranean Sea, where this storm is taking place, um, and it's tr- attempting to destroy the sailors and to destroy Jonah. Um, they're, they're called the Tahun waters. Um, Jesus, you can even see this in the New Testament with Jesus, and he, he says, "I have to go across. I must go across the." The um, Sea of Galilee, there are people over there, demoniacs and village people that God wants me to minister to. He's sailing across with his disciples. He's asleep in the boat. And when I, there's a storm and it's uncontrollable yeah. and it's trying to stop or hinder. This chaos is trying to block God's plans uh, of how he wants to use his son. Uh, you see the thing, sure. Paul in the Mediterranean Sea, again in Acts 27, um, the, uh, 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 God tells Moses, I want you to go to Rome and preach the gospel. Moses, uh, Paul is on the way and when, there's this storm, the Tahun waters, this, it's trying to stop what God's doing, this chaos. Again, God overcomes, overrides, he takes authority over each of these. And uh, again, I could give you example after example of these Tahun waters that are in chaos, in opposition to what God's doing. That's why in uh, uh, Revelation 21, the very first verse says this, when God's kingdom and God's purposes and plans are established on in the heavens and the earth, a new heavens, new earth, There'll be no more seas. There'll be no more sea. There'll be no more Tahone waters. Hmm. Um, it's very, hmm. John wants us to see that, that that which is represents chaos, opposition to God's life producing purposes and plans, things that have me. There will be no more opposition. There'll be no more chaos. There'll be, there'll be no more purposelessness in existence. And I mean, you, you can see this over and over again, and you see it not only where the word is used, but you also see it in the lives of people like Job. You see that these, the, he goes through this season where he's saying, God, I have no meaning. I have no purpose. I don't understand why I'm in this dark, chaotic season of my life. Why is this happening to me? You see it with um, Abraham is given a purpose by God. I want you to have children and those children are going to become a family and that family is going to become a nation and that nation is going to become a blessing to the nations of the world. And yet Abraham and Sarah are barren. There's there's no life. There's no productivity. There's this opposition to what God's doing. You see it with Joseph has been told you're going to be the leader of your family and you're going to uh, protect them and bless them. And yet he goes through this season where he's a slave in prison. Well, he has no meaning. He has no, he's being a, it's, he's being stopped from fulfilling the purposes that God has given Moses in the desert. He's been told you're going to deliver my people. But he, one day he wakes up and he's shepherding a handful of sheep on the side of a mountain out in the desert. There's no purpose. There's no meaning. I could go on and on. Naomi and Moab. She, she, 
I've lost everything. I've lost my husband, my sons, my land, my family. I have nothing. I have no purpose and I have no meaning. That Again, you see this running through the Bible. David loved the word to whom. He used it all the time in the Psalms. He said things like in Psalm 40, God lifted me out of the Tahom and set me on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He was in a place of Tahom and God did something. Second Samuel 22, God reached down from heaven and took hold of me and drew me out of the Tahom. Psalm 71, who is like you, God? You made me see many uh, bitter troubles, but you will restore my life again. From the Tahom, you reached down and rescued me and gave me comfort and increased my honor. You even see it in the life of Jesus. That that Thursday night before Jesus died, he's the leader of this movement. He's supposed to be bringing, ushering in God's kingdom. He's the coming Messiah. And all of a sudden you see him huddled down on the ground in the darkness alone, crying out to his father, 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 what's going on? Spare me from this. You see this, this, this idea of God's purposes and plans attempting to thwart what God is doing. Now, we know the end of the story. None of these uh, attempts by the Tahom to thwart what God's doing. They don't succeed. Right. But you, and, you, and then all Friday morning, you see these forces trying to, these chaotic, uncontrollable, death-provoking, producing um, uh, powers trying to thwart what God's doing. And yet when Paul remembers what Jesus did on that Friday night and on that, I mean, on that Thursday night and that Friday morning. Here's what Paul says. God made you alive with Christ. He forgave your sins. He canceled your debts and the charges that had been made against you by nailing them to the cross. And by doing so, he disarmed the powers and the authorities against you. And he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them on the cross. Paul sees where a bystander, an observer would have said, what waste, what chaos, what darkness, what death. Paul sees God hovering over the life and the circumstances of Jesus and using them. He has control. He has authority. He is doing something very productive and life-giving that ultimately even impacts us today. Oh, yeah. Change everything. Finally. Finally. I would just declare, and I think you'd agree, that there's nothing more terrifying than to be in places or seasons of our lives that are would be described as times of to home, times of darkness and chaos, times when we feel like we our life doesn't have any meaning or purpose. Things are out of control and unproductive. Um, maybe that describes um, you right now. Uh, maybe describes your marriage. Uh, maybe, maybe it would describe your relationship with your children or the lives of your children. Times of darkness and unproductivity and, and chaos and a lack of meaning and purpose. Um, maybe it describes your finances or your health or your career. It made me think as I was studying this this week, it made me think of how 
many of us would feel about our politics, whether we felt this season of Tahoon, this chaos and lack of meaning and purpose and control, um, whether the last four years with President Trump, we would describe as a time of Tahoon, or whether this new <laughs> four years with President Biden, and we would say, oh, why? what is God doing? Why isn't God helping? Why isn't God coming through? Why this chaos, this lack of purpose, this lack of meaning? And that just, I don't know, this week as I prepared this, it just it was important to me to be reminded that the waters looked the same in Genesis 1, 1 and 2. It wasn't, it wasn't that the observer would have seen a difference in the waters. It's that where God is invited in, where God is acknowledged by faith, God, you are here. You are, you, you do have authority over what's going on. And where God is invited in and where God by faith is acknowledged as having authority and control and is at work, that's where things change from times of Tahoe to that which gives life and has purpose and meaning. Um, Isaiah uh, chapter 61 uh, describes what I'm talking about so clearly. Isaiah the prophet says that what is God doing? What's God doing in your life? What's God doing in your family? What's God doing in our world? What's God doing in our nation? Isaiah says that God is continually turning weeping into rejoicing, defeat into victory, darkness into light, death into life, sorrow into dancing, waste into productivity, chaos into peace. God turned to home, chaos, that which is not productive and has no benefit. He turned that into that which did produce life and have meaning and purpose, and he did it through his word. It, he, I think it's so important that we see the connection, Shirley, between God's word and how we view and relate to life. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. not that life gets easier or simpler or more clear. It's that where we allow God's word to help us see it through God's perspective, that's where the change takes place. That's where the transformation takes place. And that's why David says in Psalm 1, blessed is she who continually delights in and meditates on God's law. She is like a tree planted by abundant waters, yielding and I'm sorry, yielding abundant fruit, and she prospers in all that she does. I just want to remind us of what uh David said in Psalm 71, he said, Oh Yahweh, you will bring me up out of the Tahoe. Mm. That's what God's doing today. That's what God's always been doing is bringing his plans, his purposes, his people out of places of Tahoe, chaos and darkness where we have no meaning and purpose. And he's moving us to places where we do have clarity. We have peace. We have meaning. We have purpose. Uh, we have order. Don't forget that. Yeah. Let God's word remind us that even though we might think and feel and see things as places of chaos, that's not what is true from heaven's perspective. 
Okay, I've taken too much time, and I'm sorry for that. But I, I just wanted you to, to be challenged to think about that. It was important for me to be. Let's, let's celebrate the Lord's Supper. Let you hold that, and I'll let you take that. We end our services by taking bread, which represents the body of our Savior, and juice, which represents his blood. And we eat and we drink just to declare our faith that God sent his son to this earth and he gave his life and body as a sacrifice for our sins so that we could experience not the chaos of what our world and our sins create, but the peace and the purpose and the meaning and the hope of what Jesus' sacrifice creates. And so we eat and drink just to be reminded and to declare our faith in that. You join us if you want to. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Excuse me. We bless you this morning. And we thank you that you have authority over all that exists and that you are continually moving us from places of to home, places of chaos and darkness, to places of light and purpose and peace. We thank you for that. We bless you for that. We love you for that. Amen. Amen. Have a good day. I've heard a thousand stories of what they think you're like, but I've heard a tender whisper of love in the dead of night, and you tell me that you're pleased and that I'm never alone. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. Oh, and I've seen many searching for Far and wide, but I know that we're all searching for answers. Only you provide, cause you know just what we need before we say a word. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. To 
perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. Well, it's love so undeniable. I I can hardly speak peace so unexplainable I I can hardly think as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still as you call me deeper still into love Love, love, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are. And I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. It's who you are, and I'm loved by you. It's who I am. It's who I am. It's who I am. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. Perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways to us. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect in all of your ways. You are perfect. All of your ways to us. Thanks again for joining us this week. Come back next Sunday. We'll be here. We'll see you then. 1015 YouTube Live, Facebook Live, or at the Botanic Gardens. Live in person if you want to see us. We'll be there as well. And uh, we invite you guys to come worship with us. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you next Sunday.